for the beer geeks. Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, afternoon, whatever. (laughs) All right, my little conscience. My conscience. It still feels like morning. (laughs) Good morning, kind of afternoon, early afternoon. It's a good morning, probably, people that were in Jessup the last couple days. <laughs> yeah. It's probably good morning or maybe good night yeah. at this point with all the St. Ubaldo's activities that were going on. I hope everybody had a great time. Nobody I, got run over. I understand that the race was <laughs> phenomenal. Once again, the weather held out, so I'm very happy about that. And I'm glad that we're all here in one piece to do the Beer Geeks Radio Hour. It's going to be a very special week. <clears throat> Excuse me, clearing out my throat. Um, <clears> throat> damn. I believe Dirty Derek has some Lagunitas for us, um, which should be a lot of fun. Am I right? Yes. Derek? Yes, yes, yes. Excellent, excellent. And I just want to throw this out here. I, I know I didn't tell you guys about this Uh-oh. before. I'm Uh-oh. throwing this out here because it's a very yeah. special show because I'm off to Bernie Williams. Any of you Yankee fans out there having his retirement ceremony? At, in the Bronx tonight. That's awesome. A very, very special, probably the biggest gig I'm ever going to be part of, which is great, and I'm very They're happy actually, about like, that. They're letting you in the building. They're letting me in the building. I almost have to be there. Uh-huh. It's pretty cool. Maybe I'm embellishing a little bit wow. because it makes me feel better, <laughs> you know, but I well, kind of have to be there. Derek Teeter said he won't come out if uh, Freddie's not there. Right. So <laughs> let's all believe that, and maybe it'll be true someday. Right. That's cool. That's a great way to live. <laughs> Tell your kids that one. Live in denial and maybe by some freak... Uh, Hey, occurrence. Put it on a Wikipedia and then it becomes official. That's true. If it's on the internet, it has it's to be, be real. That's, That's the correct. bottom line. But I'm off to do that. And then he's playing next Sunday at the Kirby Center. So Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. That's okay. what I said. I know the schedule. Isn't he like a phenomenal jazz guitarist? He's a phenomenal jazz guitarist, man. Y'all should come out and see Bernie Williams. He's playing at the FM Kirby Center next Saturday. The Rossello Project is opening up, which is awesome. Charlie Rossello, also a very accomplished uh, performer, player, and instructor. As Ed and I definitely know that. Definitely, Kathy. And um, (laughs) are all the mics on in here? Well, Ed's isn't on, so we're good. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> we didn't want it on anyway. Oh, we're so only kidding. T- Kathy, you rule. You're my favorite. Kathy Donnelly in there, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think my mic I'm is your favorite on, what? Producer of the show. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you're the best, my favorite. All right, I'm going to shut yeah, up we'll now. Dive into it's all time this. to do the beer news. It is. It is beer news time. So we're going to kick it off first and ask you guys, what do you think is the most popular beer in the world? In the world. If you're venture to guess, what would you think it would be? I, I mean, there's no wrong answer. Well, we were, well there is, but uh, we'll, we were, we're talking judging. about this before, and you, and you, you wouldn't, wouldn't you wouldn't tell, you wouldn't give the answer. So, I mean, if if I want to do it based on sales, I would have to say Budweiser. Ed, what do you think? I would probably say something like Coors or Miller. I was going to say Budweiser, <clears throat> Derek. Okay, the number one beer in the world is Snow. It is from China. That is the name of the beer. It is Snow. I, I don't know if that's the direct translation. The label is in Chinese. I couldn't tell you what that says. Whoa. But that's what it says. It's called Snow. And now it is actually sold for a dollar a liter. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Which so. uh, their, their beer sales over there are fairly cheaper than ours. Uh, it's three remembi, which is about 50 cents around there uh, for a 330 milliliter can of beer. Well, I guess so, it has to be. I mean, 1.1, 1. Yeah. 1.2 billion. Yeah, you they, know, they, they are actually not China. Yeah. China is the <laughs> largest beer market by volume. Uh, in sales, it's still like the sales value is still the U.S. is number one, but China overtook us, I guess, 2002, and they've since doubled <laughs> as wow. far as the yeah. volume consumed. So, 
Yeah, we're kind of dwarfed by the Chinese in another area. Uh, now, the other thing I want to throw out, just a little reminder for those who are somewhat local, uh, Philly Beer Week's going to be coming up this week. It's starting May 28th, goes to June 7th. Uh, hop on phillybeerweek.org and get all the info. Philly Beer Week's an awesome thing. It's yeah. actually it's spilling out into the suburbs this year now, too. They're, they can't even contain it to the city itself. Mm. It's now spilling out, so there's a whole lot going on. They say, I mean, Philly, you yeah. know, they tout, some, they tout themselves as the number one craft beer market yeah, in the you, U.S. When you go down, there's so much stuff you could find in, in the Philly market, which is great. And that's one where you see a lot of, even when we had Surly on, when, when Omar I was talking. That's one of the markets they're looking at getting into on the East Coast. Philly yeah. is a great one for a lot of these smaller breweries that are starting to expand somewhat. Philly's we think like Russian River. I mean, a lot of a lot of Western you know breweries now distribute to the East Coast to Philly. Yeah, and we, we kind of get the we the dregs. We get the spillover a little bit, yeah. little bit <laughs> yeah. up nice. here, but it's uh, it's kind of remarkable what yeah. they did. There's, there's the so scene much down there. Yeah, and then like Philly Beer Week's really a great celebration of all of that. And there's so much going on. It's cool to see it spilling out because you know if you can't contain something in Philly. That's really showing a lot. Yeah. All right. Another thing that's happening. Now, this is for uh, if you're looking to get fit, but you don't want to give up your drinking. Beer yoga is something that's really starting to take <laughs> off in popularity <laughs> in New Mexico. Uh, classes are actually held twice a week at Three Rivers Brewery or Three Rivers Brewery. It's a New Mexico region. So, I mean, it's really starting to take off. And what they do, you guys remember Diamond Dallas Page? Remember? Yeah, he's great, man. Do you know that he does a lot of yoga now? If you've yeah. Seen, he, has, he has a huge market with DDP yoga is what he's been doing, if you haven't seen that. Uh, that's actually what they do down there, but they incorporate drinking and in, in different poses wow. and things like that as well. New, new definition of downward dog, I that, guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny when you read the article, that was one of the first things that they mentioned was that pose. <laughs> that just goes hand in hand. That's I the always, only one I know. So. <laughs> I, always, I always wondered what it would be like if people on meth tried to do that. Oh. <laughs> Like, if you videotaped people... <laughs> Look, I just stick my arm through my head. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm saying, like, I don't mean, like, jonesing from it, because that wouldn't be cool. I'm talking about fresh hit meth heads going in to do yoga. But, Bill, why should... You I don't even know where you come up with this stuff. <laughs> but don't you ever sit back and just wonder about I, that? That would be one of those things if they Bill, showed you it. never kicked back or maybe sitting down, take the morning dump with the newspaper? <laughs> no. And think not. about people on meth doing yoga. No. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to back that's off. every day for me. <laughs> I was just wondering what that would be like and if we could get it on videotape. Anybody that's planning on having a meth yoga I'm party. Sure if you We're taking callers up. now. <laughs> and what's your address? That's where the meth yoga party is going to be at Search Ed's long house. enough on YouTube, I'm sure. All right. Something similar. Okay. <laughs> All right. And instead of any uh, beer releases this week, I want to, I told you guys here last week uh, in the studio, I was talking about off air, there's a documentary you have to watch if you are into craft beer called Crafting a Nation. <coughs> uh, did you guys watch it yet or no? No, I didn't okay. get a chance. I didn't. It, it is on Hulu and Amazon right now. It's definitely <clears> something <throat> that you are going to want to watch. Uh, just a really passionate documentary about everything going on in craft beer. And uh, it's just really worth the watch to see what the goes through uh, the, the business and, and the thought process and the heart it takes to really brew all this beer. And there's a few past guests we have on there. Sully was on there from 21st Amendment. And like a lot of people are really get into the heart that it takes to do this. And it really, it'll, it'll give you shivers if it's something that, you know, really you care about in a non just wanting to get yourself messed up a little bit. It, it's really something that shows what it takes uh, but to survive and thrive in this industry, but the heart behind all of it and the true craft and the art that goes into Passion. it. Passion. Yeah. It, it's definitely worth watching. It's called Crafting a Nation, and it's on Hulu and Amazon right now. All right, so let's dive into some of these beers, all right? How's that sound? We're doing good? Well, what I'd like to do is uh, maybe you could do it when Jer with Jeremy when we take a short little break and right. come back. That sounds We'll good. jump into the beer with uh, the brewmaster the from Lagunitas. Jeremy Marshall. Awesome, and that's all happening next on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour. 
1221, the area's newest farm-to-table restaurant is serving delicious dinners this weekend. And Mountain View Bar offers live music this Friday and Saturday. Both are located in Mountain Laurel Resort, Route 940 in Whitehaven. Call 570-443-8411 for more information. Hi, it's Sue Henry from WILK with this green tip for your green thumb. Make a compost pile. Reduce waste by creating great material for the garden. Use food scraps, coffee grounds, and grass clippings. Turn over a new leaf and compost. Trying to find a beer you truly enjoy is becoming a rather daunting task. Everywhere you turn, another beer, another company, another slogan, another gimmick. Here at Anzalone Special Beer, we decided our gimmick was going to be, well, good taste. Perhaps not the most creative of gimmicks, of course, but certainly the most flavorful. Anzalone Special Beer. Good taste is our gimmick. Anzalone. Ready to take your education to the next level? Arizona State University now offers over 90 top-tier degree programs 100% online. With ASU's highly ranked online programs, you'll earn the same degree as our on-campus students with the ability to learn wherever you want, whenever you want. Same world-renowned faculty, same leading education, same global recognition from one of the top universities in the world. Call 1-800-400-8796. That's 1-800-400-8796. I'm Jamie from Sherman Oaks, and I just graduated with my degree from Arizona State University. I chose ASU because I received the quality education I deserve in the major I wanted, all from my home. Jamie's not the only one to earn a degree from ASU. Learn more about our over 90 degree programs offered 100% online from one of the top universities. Now's the time to earn your degree online from Arizona State University. Call 1-800-400-8796. That's 1-800-400-8796. Are you an elderly, disabled, or modest income homeowner? Do you live in the neighborhood of North Scranton or West Scranton? NeighborWorks Northeastern Pennsylvania encourages you to apply for an opportunity to have free home maintenance or light repair work completed at your home this summer through their volunteer home repair programs. NeighborWorks is a nonprofit organization that works with local volunteer groups to assist homeowners who need a helping hand by providing free services such as painting, landscaping, and light home repair. Applications are currently being accepted for projects taking place in the neighborhoods of North and West Scranton. So contact them today at 570-558-2490 or visit nwnepa.org for more information. At NeighborWorks, they are working hard to create vibrant neighborhoods where families can grow stronger and more financially secure. Call today, 570-558-2490. You may not know it, but your company's always under attack from hackers, spammers, and other criminals. Sooner or later, without Penteladata's DDoS mitigation, your network's bound to fail. But our protection works off-site, watching, waiting, and catching thousands of attacks in real time, keeping bad data away from your servers. So even if there's a battle happening in the cloud or here on the ground, it's business as usual. It's all possible with the next generation network from Penteladata. Penteladata's fiber-rich network is everywhere you are, combining the bandwidth you need with the quality of service and security you deserve. So whether you're conferencing in or taking out, getting a medical exam or taking a school exam, you can feel confident knowing one of the region's largest privately owned fiber optic networks is behind the services you use every day in business, banking, healthcare, and more. It's all possible with the next generation network from Penteladata. 
great way to come back in. A little classic Iron Maiden on a summer day. It's summer now, right? Or no? Well, well no. I guess officially Technically after tomorrow. Spring. After tomorrow, officially. Oh, wow. You can oh. wear white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I've been oh, waiting to put right. my white suit on. <laughs> that's right. You've been dying to do so, right? Yeah, P. Diddy invited me to his party, but I had oh, to say no until man. I did. <laughs> well, that one time you wore your white suit, but you wore those those red bikini underwear underneath. <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about the dark days. All right, man. Need that was know, just man. like six weeks ago, too, the dark days. Yeah, they, they're, they're still creeping around. All right, man. We got our brewmaster from Lagunitas on the air. Finally, on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour. And welcome to the show, Jeremy. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Awesome. We're living the dream. I'm going to turn you over to Dirty Derek now. And uh, he's going to give them a little background on you, as well as your wonderful company. And he's going to crack open a beer. Yes. Thank you, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. Uh, for those who don't know, Jeremy is calling from his sister's wedding. And uh, hopefully you're doing all right today. I'm not as banged up today as I was yesterday. <laughs> good, good, good. As long as you're okay enough, that's all we need. Yeah. So, now, when did you actually start uh, brewing at Lagunitas? Uh, in 2003. Okay, so now prior to everything Lagunitas, what was your, your history with getting into to home brewing and everything? Uh, just, just pretty much like a lot of people right now, just brewing at home and, and really enjoying it, and then going to UC Davis uh, to study fermentation science at a time when their pro program administrator tried to tell you not to do it because it was during the big shakeout in the in the 90s early 2000 there was actually brewing equipment for sale in in every newspaper at the time so it was the polar opposite of what it is now now, did yeah. you, was there a lot of people in the class that kind of took that to heart? I, I went to school for music, and that was the number one thing that you were told in the in the classes is, look, chances are you're going to fail. <laughs> um, yeah, most people in the class uh, were from bigger breweries. There was uh, okay. not very many people that were craft-oriented. You're guaranteed an interview at Anheuser-Busch, and, and everybody interviewed but me. And I told the <laughs> professor, I said, this is an indicator of things to come. And I keep in touch with every uh, UC Davis uh, brewing class due to our close proximity to, to the campus. They all come and visit. Now, uh, almost 100% of every class is craft-oriented. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a complete shift around from what it was. Yep. So now, was there, uh, I mean, seeing that you got into it at the time period you did, was there like a gateway beer that really got you into all this? And if you if you can remember what that oh, was? Oh, for sure. Uh, ironically, the gateway beer ended up being something very close to uh, our, our home in Northern California. But that beer was the uh, Anchor Liberty Ale, which was, as, as you know, Fritz Maytag and Anchor Brewing in San Francisco. They're more known for their Anchor Steam. But Liberty Ale was the first beer I ever had uh, that had been dry hopped. And, um, and I remember, distinctly remember, pouring it into a glass and smelling those, those flower smells, floral aromas coming from the Cascade hops, and especially the dry hop, and thinking, I like this flavor, I really like what's going on here, and I need to know more. And then that's what kind of sucked me into homebrewing, because I'd never heard about dry hopping you know, at that time. Now, was that, when you first got into homebrewing, was that kind of something you were trying to emulate? Was that style right away, or? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I was, I mean, it, Liberty Ale was basically an IPA, but it, it but it didn't have that on the label, and uh, and that's basically what I set out to, to try to brew, so it was it was ironic that I went to get a, a real job at a, at a real brewery who's well known for, for an IPA. Yeah. 
Well, that's a perfect spinoff into the next one, which was when you first started getting everything going at Lagunitas, what were some of the challenges you faced, you know, getting into a larger brewery like that? And was there any issues with, like, recipe formulation that you didn't, you know, you either wanted to change something or didn't get what was going on or, or things um, like that? Well, so, you know, most, it's easy for homebrewers to think of most what goes on in a brewer's mind deals with recipe formulation and things like that. But really, when, when you're a big dog, it's all about process. And, uh, and it's very industrial, you know, it's machines. I mean, I mean, brewing might as well be like manufacturing soup or cereal. It's just you have a lot more passionate people in charge and you have a lot more fun. Um, so when I, when I came along, the, 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 it was a, it was a crazy uh, batch of characters, and a lot of them played in bands, and everyone listened to metal. And it was the hardest thing was just getting the culture to align because we had punk rockers, metalheads, hippies. We had all these different people, and they somehow all had to get together to to make beer. And every day was like a battle back then because we <laughs> we didn't have any uh, you know we didn't have any automation. We didn't have as nice stuff. Um, we were in the process of becoming. Uh, be- becoming locally successful in Northern California, and uh, and and developing uh, kind of a cult following. So we found that our fans were were a little bit different. You know, craft breweries are a lot like bands, and and every band has a certain you know c- uh, culture and a certain. Uh, type of, of character that, that is, listens to it and maybe even follows it around, you know. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were kind of the same way back then and, and still are, I would argue. So now, as you got accustomed to everything, what was, when was it the, uh, that you were allowed to do your first, I'm assuming you came in, you did a lot of Tony's recipes and things like that. What was oh, the, yeah. What was yeah. The all first? the original uh, Maximus, you know, IPA, censored brown sugar, cappuccino stout, those were all, those were all Tony's, and uh, we've left a lot of those uh, uh, alone and, and maybe updated some of them where we could. But, um, you know, Tony was, is, is, uh, was the brewer. I mean, he was doing everything mm-hmm. in, in the beginning because you kind of have to and uh, wearing a lot of hats. And he began to gradually uh, trust me on just the brewing side so that he could focus on uh, more graphic design and, and, and marketing and things that he wanted to to do. And the first beer that he ever just let me do uh, 100%, which which was really surprising to me that he he didn't make any changes, he just, he just let me do it, was uh, an Imperial Red Ale. And then from that, it went to uh, quite a few of the newer beers, like Little Something Something, Daytime, Lagunitas Sucks, uh, a lot of the a lot of the new ones, and a big part of that dealt with um, you know Tony had distanced himself from the brewing, so when he talked hops, he would oftentimes name hops that were no longer in the ground, such as uh, Roika. Or you know these these varieties that you like. I'm like Tony. You can't buy that. They don't sell those hops anymore. They're gone. So uh, and he was like, Well, what would you what would you use? And you know I'm a I'm a what what you call a new school brewer. So I like new school varieties, kind of like old world wine and new world wine. Um, so instead of Fuggles and Willamette and and uh, extinct hops, I was like, you know, let's try some Amarillo, or uh, you know, uh, let's try some uh, Simcoe. Those those hops that some brewers know as the hard to get. Yeah. Because uh, they're oftentimes hard to get. Now, was that prior to them being coming? You know what they are now. When you were trying to get into them, yeah, back then, uh, no one really wanted those hops, and you could just pick up the phone and call. I mean, we we remember a time when 
when Simcoe was uh, had almost went away, and it's now arguably probably the most important craft hop besides yeah. Cascade. Yeah. And there was a time when Simcoe was was getting bailed and going uh, up in Yakima to the extract plant, where they would turn it into uh, hop extract, which is what you do when nobody wants a hop; you just extract it. Yeah. Now, with that, because, you know, Lagunias, before you were even there, Tony really built the brewery on kind of bucking the trend of what a style should be. When you were allowed to kind of go and do what you were doing, was there any specific ones that you can remember that just didn't turn out the way you wanted them to and, like, what you can remember about that? Because you guys are trying to incorporate all different ingredients and screwing with styles a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, it's you, sometimes you, you get some surprises, but generally speaking, you, you kind of... The, I think what most brewers do, whether they'll, they'll admit it or not, when it comes to uh, trying something new, is they just take something that they've that they have that they already like. Um, you know, for instance, uh, we had Maximus, and Imperial Red Ale was modeled a little bit after Maximus, so that uh, the, there would be no surprises, even though it's a completely different beer. And I think that's what most brewers and even most home brewers do, is they they take something that they know is a slam dunk, mm-hmm. and they maybe say, I want it to have the a citrusy character instead of a spicy character, and I'd really like to change my ester profile. So then they would sit down and say, well, maybe to get the esters I want, I'll just completely change the yeast strain. So I will no longer use the one I normally use. And then maybe for the citrus character, they could get real crazy and creative and, and actually add citrus so they could pour in some uh, some like uh, grapefruit juice or whatever and ferment that with it. Or they could say, I want to use one of these really uh, citrusy hops, which would be the more traditional way to go about it. But I, I think that's how most brewers uh, you know, tackle new flavors. And, um, you know, never never really been truly let down by something. Yeah, that's good. We haven't been either, so we're good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so now w- within that, is, is there any ingredients that you haven't used yet that you're, you're still trying to work somehow into it? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we've traditionally not been. Uh, there was a lot of really bad fruit beers that uh, mm-hmm. came out in the late and middle 90s. Um, and these beers were made with uh, essences and, and artificial uh, fruit flavorings that were really cloyingly sweet, and they kind of left a, a a bad stamp on the concept of, of, of fruit beer. And you know, nowadays uh, people are doing some really interesting things. And there's also a lot. You know, it's not just you know a, a raspberry and things like that. So there are some uh, exotic uh, fruits that I see a lot of brewers uh, playing around with, and exotic uh, sources of uh, other other exotic sources of fermentable extract, such as is, uh, you know, beans or, or uh, even, you know, even craft brewers are, are using different rice and corn products now, which would traditionally be a, a big guy thing, but they're incorporating them in unique ways. But um, some of the fruits would include uh, um, things like uh, aronia and uh, acai from Brazil, uh, dragon fruit, um, different, different tropical things. And you're seeing a lot of people uh, begin um, incorporating these into the IPA. So I predict, and I think it's already happening, that there's going to be a, a subcategory of, of, of IPA as IPA continues to become king. That you'll, you'll see that fruit-accented IPAs and, and perhaps even, um, you know, tea and spice-accented IPAs, you know, which 
really, when you start getting into the realm of that, I remember from homebrewing, you got to be real careful with, oh, yeah. Yeah. with, with, I made a beer once that literally, uh, tasted like, like, like the candle section of Pier One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oof. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I was not happy with that one, but luckily that was a, uh, that was a homebrew, so. Nah, we always have that to cover everything. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Now, one of the other things that's been interesting, you guys have opened up a new brewery in Chicago. Is there any challenges with that? I mean, like, we're, you know, recipe formulations. That's one thing you hear a lot of people that, you know, the water profile is different or things. Like, were the beers able to translate right away into the new equipment in the new brewery, or do you have to tweak things? Uh, n- n- yeah, no, there was a lot of, that was a very interesting experiment. Um, I, I think, uh, so I still spend a lot of time in Chicago. I'm basically split between California and Chicago. And, um, and you know, that was an out-of-the-box, out uh, very large brewery built probably faster than any other brewery that's ever been built of its size. It was, you know, about eight months start to finish and uh, doing everything ourselves. And um, so uh, we had some slight differences in, in water. The mineral content's a little a little uh, different. It's uh, it's moderately hard, or no, it's, it's probably harder. It's, you know, we call that water hard, and the water in Northern California is just moderately hard. Um, it's actually really good brewing water that they have there in Chicago. I uh, was very pleased with the first uh, water analysis. It had everything that brewers look for, and it didn't have anything that is kind of a no-go. And uh, the biggest challenge, though, is that there's a big old bowl of that water known as Lake Michigan, and that it's really, really stable, whereas the water supply, I'm sure you guys are hearing all about our yeah. rather lack of water in California, but the water supply is very seasonal in California. And so as um, surface water gets low, such as the river, they might supplement with wells, so you're, you're, you're constant, your water is constantly changing. So... Um, that that was that was one thing um, to kind of chase uh, chase down a little bit, and uh, and there have been learnings in Chicago that we retroactively will apply to California, all all for the better. So it's been a very exploratory process. Um, you know, other than that, it's the it's the same equipment. In some cases, even the same people. We have a worker exchange program where we take someone from California and and relocate them temporarily in Chicago for a set period of time, and then uh, swap out their equivalent uh, person in Chicago goes to California. So these guys are just Tony calls this cross pollination, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it's brought about a tremendous uh, coherency because you know you look at big breweries that have multiple plants. And like you know, a plant in in, uh, in in you know Shenandoah or might not know anything about what goes on in St. Louis or you know whatever brewery it might be, and and there's nothing that kind of unifies the culture. You know, it's kind of us and them, and then the thing that unifies is like the big guys at the top that fly around on their jets, and <laughs> you know, and it's it's like we're trying to we're trying to do like the the reverse of that rather than top down. It's it's bottom up. So we're. We're trying to like you know unify the the guy that pushes the broom with the guy that pushes the broom at the other other brewery, and uh, and and from that has become a lot of uh, a lot of thanks and a lot of learnings. Um, you know, I will say regarding getting the beers to be the same is that sometimes you have to change things to make them the same. So there were certain recipes that just if you followed it exactly like California, it just didn't turn out. 
the same way, and I don't know why. And uh, and we would change either something on the hot side or the cold side, or maybe the, like the dry hop, or um, we would we would make a subtle change, and then it would turn out exactly the same. Oh. So some of those like bill of materials, what it takes to create a batch, are actually different um, between the two breweries, and that that to me was a a big surprise. I really don't understand that i think someone could do a research paper on it <laughs> the more you know the less you know with all of this that's going on <laughs> true yeah that's so true we, we just poured into our glass some equinox now this is a really interesting one because it's just unbelievably creamy like, what was the idea behind this putting the, the oats into the pale ale yeah uh the the idea was to um basically like Try to try to. There's the old concept of the of the cream ale, and I, I don't particularly really enjoy a classic cream ale. They're to me they're just a, kind of a hop skip and jump away from another kind of uh, boring lager, but they're an ale. And um, so the idea was to make something that was really uh, you know creamy. Which you well, the best way to get creaminess is is to actually use oats because oats increase the drainage time between foam bubbles, which is a fancy way of saying it gives you really, really creamy, nice foam. Uh, and the palate interprets that like, like as a creaminess. And then we wanted to use and showcase the uh, new hop. It was previously called HBC 366, and it was named last year, it was named Equinox. And uh, believe it or not, Equinox was brewed by Lagunitas back way back when, before there even existed a hop named Equinox, and it was a, a pale oat ale, and we, we, we brought it back and added more oats and made the beer all around bigger, so it's not, not really a straw color anymore. It's more of a, a, a golden orange. And then we, we hopped it heavily with the Equinox hops, which is I describe as very um, kind of uh, orangey, kind of clement, clementine. It's a little foresty, so there is some, some, uh, some like, you know, uh, pine tree essence so the idea was like a like a creamy orange and, and pine tree smoothie was kind of the inspiration for that beer yeah i definitely get that i mean just the, the creamy texture is wonderful in this mm-hmm. uh, uh, jeremy you previously mentioned about <clears throat> esters and yeast and I, I was just wondering when, when picking out ingredients how do you know when to go with like a clean ale yeast strain and let the the ingredients of the the grain bill show versus picking out like an uh, a yeast that's gonna impart some esters like h- how do you know when to go with what yeah um i think that if you're supposing you're going to use some really premium uh base malts such as uh something like uh, Simpson's Golden Promise or like a, you know, a really nice traditional floor malted English malt or, you know, something that is is like, you, hey, I, I'm going to spend a lot of money on this malt, so what do I do next? Well, in my mind, I wouldn't use the really, I wouldn't use a really fruity yeast strain. I would use something really clean and neutral so that the yeast character lets the malt character come through. And then, you know, I certainly wouldn't hop it very much. Um, I wouldn't give it 100 IBUs, and I probably wouldn't dry hop it very, very heavily either. Um, you know, the, the generally speaking, as is, is, is most home brewers and brewers know, uh, the later you add something in the brewing process, the more its uh, top notes and really delicate uh, aspects of its character, whatever it is, if it's a hop or a fruit or a vegetable or whatever, the later you add it, the more you kind of capture the fleeting uh, essence of of that thing. So if you if you really want to showcase whatever it is that the, the brewer is trying to achieve, you you need to you need to take in take into account 
you know, everything you plan to do and, you know, know when you may or may not want to use a really fruity yeast. You know, I would I would always use a fruity yeast if I'm going to use some really, you know, punchy malts such as like a, uh, like a special bee or like a really robust crystal. I'm going to say, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I want a clean malt with this because it's, it's just going to taste like a big crystal bomb. <laughs> and so this is where I want a yeast that's going to be a nice sidekick to that crystal malt and provide some uh, additional flavors that kind of back it up like backing vocals. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Well, mm-hmm. Jer- Jeremy, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time, you know, with uh, everything else you got going on yeah. this weekend. I really you know, appreciate it. I got to say one thing here, Jeremy. You sure. get a guy that's pressed for time. He's calling from a huge family function, like his his sister's his wedding, wedding yeah. and you ask a brewmaster about recipe, time has no boundaries, <laughs> man. Oh, no, no. And, and it just goes to show why. That validates the popularity of Lagunitas and the people that have been buzzing about this interview all week long, and you being on this show, of course, doing that interview with Derek was fabulous, man. So thank you very much. Good luck to your sister. There's only a few special times. You only get married a couple times in your life, so you got to take you know, yeah, advantage right. of the opportunities that you can. And um, if you don't mind, Derek and I are going to hijack that Pure One Candle Isle Ale from the Beer Geeks Radio. Let's put it together, boys. Yeah. Outstanding. Thank you Thanks, very Jeremy. much thank for being with us, Jeremy. We're here on the Beer Geeks. What a great interview that was, Derek. That was, that was a good one. And that's why I appreciate me. Like he, just when, when I got everything set up and he said, well, I can call him. I'm just letting you know uh, I'm probably going to be a little right. you know, hungover. Oh, uh, yeah. My sister's wedding is Saturday. Sure. I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> like, I couldn't, you know, I can't turn that down, but I mean, I appreciate him. Right. That, that means you know, a lot. here's a guy pressed for time, like I yeah. said, involved in all this stuff, probably severely hungover. <laughs> Ask him about his damn recipe. He'd be everything. going on. Yeah. If, yeah. You, you know, and it was good. And he answered a big question for you, Billy. Yeah, it was awesome. I yeah. mean, just, uh, you know, it, it's 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 always challenging, you know, as a drinker sometimes to pick out what what right what sometimes what they're going into, after. The yeah, going yeah. To, yeah, and and to be able to kind of pick the brain of 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 uh, you know a brewmaster so, yeah. is it that, you know that's that's quite a treat. Outstanding, man! Another fabulous hookup from Dirty Derek here on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour. Oh, absolutely. Jeremy just texted yeah. me, so I'm just out uh, Oh, good, man. You but, do uh, No, it, it was really good. And that's what it's, you know, then Lagunillas, I have to say, too, this is the first returning brewery that we've had on, other than uh, Matt Brinelson when he, yeah. when he uh, slept in and missed this call. Oh, that makes right. great. But other than that one, yeah, uh, this is the first returning brewery. We had Tony on, you know, Tony McGee, owner of Lagunillas, on a couple months ago. Uh, if you want to hear that one, you can listen to that one back on that, that is a great. And, uh, that is yeah. a great episode. Tony, Tony was a good guy. <laughs> that was a fun one. And, uh, you know, that was when, when we got everything set up to have Jeremy call. I'm like, this is great because now right. we can dive into the, the beers of Lagunillas. Because that's what's tough sometimes is we kind of have to, to divide the interview between half history and half beers. Sure. And this was great because having Tony on, like, that is the history of Lagunitas. Right. Now having Jeremy, that is the beers of Lagunitas. So we could really, you know, if you listen to those back to back, you're going to get everything you need about this brewery. And he pretty much broke it down so an yeah. idiot like myself could understand <laughs> a lot of what he was talking about. And I even saw Ed's head Simpleton. bob up and down a he's few like, times. He's like, yeah, I get it. Agreeing with everything. Yeah, he nailed it. So if he's still listening. Um, he's yeah. very informative. It was like... like yeah, this this is definitely he one if you're really broke it down. Yeah, he man. did. This is yeah. a good homebrewer uh, episode to listen to. Sometimes we don't get a chance to dive into recipes as much, but this is one we really got to break some of this stuff down. The ideas behind it, really, really cool. Now I know we have a lot of beer to drink, but of yeah. course we got to take a break now. And backyard Billy, we got some good stuff going on at that backyard. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I ever mentioned we we do have like half off growlers on Wednesdays. Nice. So you can bring your you know bring your growler down on right. Wednesday 11, 11 till I think till we close the doors. You can get half. 
alfalfa growler. So that that's sounds killer. Smoking, smoking deal. So. And with the weather now, I know that patio's hopping. Patio's hopping. The color, hopping. the color run was like I, when I left the bar this morning. Right. The color run, it was like there wasn't a you know seat in the house available. Yeah. So it was, it was good to see. And so nothing like pounding down a killer brunch after such a big event as that. <laughs> yeah. The best place to do it in downtown Scranton, of course, is the backyard alehouse. And you go in and you see my good friend backyard Billy, who's um just shaking it up since you've been back on the beer well, geeks. Well, when you man. ask for me that you have to you have to there's a code word you gotta say avocado oh, and then avocado. and then then, then, you, then you'll know all right you heard it all here <laughs> on the beer geeks radio hour taking a break paying some bills we'll be right back this is an urgent message for all individuals with extremely large credit card debt no matter how much you owe on your credit cards the company that has settled more debt than anyone in the u.s could settle your debt too while you make one low monthly program payment you have the opportunity to hear how low your monthly program payment could be for free this free information is available now simply by calling Freedom Debt Relief at 1-800-661-8815. I repeat, if you have extremely large credit card debt, you now have the ability to reduce your total debt and get one simple low monthly program payment. This could allow you to resolve your debt faster than you ever thought possible. But you should act quickly. Call Freedom Debt Relief now to learn how much you could save. 1-800-661-8815. Again, this life-changing information is available for free. To find out how much you may be able to save, call today. 1-800-661-8815. That's 1-800-661-8815. 1-800-661-8815. Wyoming! East Pennsylvania. Wyoming Valley Motors has a question for you. What do you drive? Is it inspiring? Well, let this inspire you. Right now at Wyoming Valley Motors Mazda, if you serve in the military, we salute you with $500 military bonus cash on the purchase or lease of any new Mazda. Lease the hottest crossover right now. The 2016 Mazda CX-5 Sport all-wheel drive for only $229 a month. Or how about the safe and fuel-efficient 2015 Mazda 3 iSport? Lease for only $159 per month. Looking for a crazy deal? Save $7,500 on any new in-stock 2014 Mazda CX-9 models right now at Wyoming Valley Motors Mazda, Route 11, Larksville. $500 military appreciation cash available for active duty reserves and retirees within two-year separation. Lease prices based on 36-month, 10,000 miles per year plus tax and tanks. Mazda CX-5 Sport and Mazda 3 iSport, $2,000 plus fees due at signing. Valid upon credit approval. See dealer for details. Expires 5-31-2015. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Mead. I'm the chair of Orthopedic Knee Surgery at Coordinated Health, and we just opened a new clinic on Oak Street in Pittston. As a Pittston High School graduate, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to bring my expertise back to my hometown. My career as an orthopedic surgeon has taken me all over the country, but I always knew that I'd find my way back home. Our new Pittston Clinic will feature spine, breast care, imaging, occupational therapy, and orthopedics. Visit coordinatedhealth.com to tour our new Pittston facility and book your appointment with me. Channel your inner patriot and involve your business in the most spectacular, amazing fireworks display in NEPA, period. The Scrantastic Spectacular is back. On Friday, July 3rd, thousands of spectators will converge upon Lackawanna County Courthouse Square in downtown Scranton to celebrate our Independence Day. This All-American Day is a great opportunity to expose your business to NEPA. Visit wearescrantastic.com and find out how to book your spot today. The Scrantastic Spectacular, July 3rd, an Entercom marketing event. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. I'm sitting in a bar. I'm all alone. Yeah, and okay, I'm a dog and I'm only three. But you know what? That's not all that important. I'll show you what is. Hey, Rocco. Yes, Bruno. Don't give me the usual. I want to try something new. Try this hands alone lager. It's delicious. Shh. 
Oh, that's good. Next time you're out, don't order the same old beer. Break the habit. Try Anzalone Special Beer. Change your habits, change your world. Anzalone Special Beer. banging her head out there. <laughs> yeah. She's really into it. That's the crazy thing about it. Little motorhead on a Sunday afternoon on WILK. Now listen, you want to hear a funny joke? You want to grab some good pizza? Maybe a six-pack of Grey Ghost beer or any other kind of domestic import or um, specialty beer? Grey Ghost Convenient Market Main Street in Avoca. Stop in to see my man, Eric. Killer menu, man. I love their breakfast pies, and I love the selection of beer they have. It's very deceiving. It's a convenient market, but it's a beautiful cafe inside with so many different beers for you to choose from. And Grey Ghost Beer, the convenient market. And ask for Eric T. He will definitely tell you a funny joke. Say, Freddie said you'll tell us a funny joke if we stop in and try the pizza and pick up a six-pack or a 12-pack to go home with. You'll tell us a funny joke. I never do that to you, Billy. I never tell. Well, no, I'm like I'm, I'm like very suspicious now. If like Freddie's anything that said, "Hey, Freddie sent me," I, I always have to be like cautious. <laughs> like, am I gonna Take get like punched back. in the nose here? <laughs> like, hey, Freddie sent me. Wham! Yeah. You know, here's an elbow into Jimmy from Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy, the last thing I want to do is send people to give you an elbow in the Jimmy. <laughs> All right, you know, following up with that, I want because uh, I was saying Jeremy sent me text. Oh yeah, you can give Derek an elbow yeah. in the Jimmy. Or Thaz. Or Thaz. <laughs> Manian. Jeremy sent me a text and wanted to let uh, me know that he is going to be giving Matt Reynoldson, uh, Firestone Walkersboro, a wedgie for missing All right. <laughs> so uh, that's something to look forward to if you're heading on to Philly hey, Beer Week. Hey, miss be. an interview with Dirty Derek? Get a wedgie. Take your pick. Bloody drawers a, maybe I'll or talk a headache. To, maybe I'll talk to Jeremy about being my enforcer. That's, yeah. that's good or my West Coast enforcer. All right, Derek, I know you guys got some beer to drink, yeah, so why we, don't you guys get to it? Well, we, are enjoy- we, we started uh, drinking and some of the Lagunitas sucks as we're getting to the tail end of the interview. If, if you're not familiar with that, that beer, it's a phenomenal uh, double IPA, but kind of really it falls into a different place within that. I mean, it's a really sweet malty, just wonderful. The story behind that, though, is also phenomenal and shows what that brewery, uh, you know, how they see themselves and don't take themselves too seriously and really just kind of laugh off things. So they, they have a beer Salt called... deprecating is yeah, the... They have a beer called Brown Sugar, which we had never talked about before, which is a, a phenomenal beer, has a really loyal following. Well, one year they weren't able to make it, uh, and we'll get into the brown sugar later on with another one of the beers. But they weren't able to make it, and uh, basically pissed off a lot of people, and got the immediate backlash from a lot of people saying, "You guys suck that you didn't <laughs> burn this beer." And they're really pissed off, and they couldn't. And and basically how they wanted making up for it was they brewed a beer and called it Loganita sucks, and it was the brown sugar substitute ale. But, but you know the cool thing about that, that if you read the label, it has like a bunch of <laughs> very self-deprecating yeah. comments, you know, it's just, you know, stuff that like, you know, you guys, you know, Lagunitas is a major brewery. Yeah. So for them to say that they uh, munch moldy donkey butt on their, <laughs> own, on their own label. Yeah, you won't, you know, they're, they're, I think, number five, I believe now, the fifth largest craft brewery in America as of 2014, I believe was that. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely one of the biggest. You're not going to see, no, no, not, no disrespect to anyone else, but you're not going to see Sam Adams put something like that on their label. No. That's not no. part of who they are. That's stiff New England there. Yeah. You know. Th- this, is, this is a different <laughs> ethos, and they don't take themselves 
themselves seriously with any of this stuff, which also is showcased through with their beers. As in, you know, they don't file uh, follow strictly any of those guidelines that you see in the BJCP. It's kind of like left open to interpretation of, you know what, I, I get that, but I want to put this in it and just experiment with different things. And all their beers really skirt those guidelines very much. And as you said before in here, the BJCP guidelines don't really mean anything unless you're entering competitions. Yeah. It's not for any, you know, Joe beer drinker to care about. And, and the other thing that I think it's very important to point out is that, like, yes, they kind of self-deprecating in their own image, but they don't, the, the beer the is very, no, not that, at all. That's they what take they, the beer. As we said before, I mean, when Jeremy, like, how serious he was when talking about recipes, yeah, like, yeah. that's something you don't kid around with. Like, that's what they take very seriously, and that's what they built this brewery on. If you want to, and also, you know, we had Tony on before uh, talking about his book, but if you haven't read it, it's definitely something, if you're interested in this brewery or even interested in the brewing industry, uh, Tony McGee's book, So You Want to Start a Brewery, is an excellent read for even just the business aspects of it. I mean, you really get, he doesn't hold back. It's not a, well, you know what, I don't want to talk about this. This was kind of a, a dark period. Like, no, he gets into everything that they went through starting that brewery, even skirting the IRS in different ways of kind of <laughs> that he had to play that cup game that you do when you're starting a business. And just everything is in there, warts and all, and it's a really great read. And it gives you a lot of these awesome stories behind the beers, because that's the other thing that's cool with the brewery is you read the labels, and it's this kind of uh, stream of consciousness ramblings on the label, but they all have this really awesome story behind them, which is a really cool thing. And, uh, you know, case in point, the Lagunita sucks. We said, like, that came about because everything happened with another beer, and now they have this beer that is really sought after as well, and they still make the brown sugar, which is another phenomenal one. Uh, I actually have a bottle that I'm aging as well. Ed has one he's aging in the yes. fridge. It's what a really it, Yeah, it, brown sugar. Oh. Aging some of that. I just want to see where that one goes. That's another one that's it's 9.9%, so that's one you can kind of hang on to and age a little bit. Um, but... Speaking of interesting background stories, we just poured some of the Undercover Shutdown Ale. Now, this is another one that I, I wish uh, Freddie was here to, to be able to, to tell, but, <laughs> but uh, Freddie would enjoy this story. That Behind this one, it's uh, Lagunitas, you know, Tony McGee has not been shy at all about his love for marijuana. It's, uh, he, you know, openly carries a medical card, all those fun things, has said in interviews, all the time about. Well, I remember when we were the last interview. He's oh, yeah. like, "Are we talking about yeah. marijuana?" <laughs> yeah, Freddie Fred, was trying to. Freddie was trying to skirt, like, skirt it. it. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, a botanist. He just went right in. Yeah. Like, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, here you yeah. go. And uh, but yeah, they they have no uh, hidden love for all those things. And what wound up happening? Basically, the story behind this is, Lagnius used to have uh, every Thursday, I believe it was, they had a party at like four twenty. That's hint, a, that's the yeah, gathering hour. Hint, hint, the, the gathering hour for all this, and there was a lot of enjoyment of a certain weed <laughs> that was going on. Now the ABC basically were sending people in undercover to try and catch people selling because this was happening at the brewery. And they're they're trying to catch people selling and all these things going on, and they couldn't catch anybody. But what wind up happening is after a while they kind of said, "Ah, oh, screw!" It. They gave up and just raided the brewery, <laughs> and then they wound up, you know, arresting some people the and all these arm things. Of the law. Yeah, they they got them eventually. And uh, but what wound up happening was the, there was charges, but they eventually were dropped. But the brewery was served a shutdown notice. They had to shut down for 20 days. So that was kind of the slap on the wrist they got for having any marijuana on premises. Freddie just comes in, his eyes light yeah. up, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, that's what wound up happening. But after they came back from this 20-day shutdown. They want up, you know, immediately, I think probably even during the shutdown, the idea was probably already there of what they were going to be doing with this beer. And uh, But as soon as it came back out, 
This beer wound up being brewed uh, 9.3% ABV American Strong Ale. And it's just an awesome story. Another thing of showing how self-deprecating they are. You know, I think the, the label used to say uh, like something like, yeah, we did it or something like that. Yeah, under, yeah. It used to be undercover yeah. shutdown. Yeah, like, yeah, we did it. And it's like, you know, we paid the crime. We paid the time. The, yeah, we are guilty. We paid the, yeah, that, you know. They, yeah, they were very it. just, you know, whatever. And just kind of moved on from it. And it became a story. And that's really what this brewery is known for. And even just reading the labels, like, yeah, sometimes they don't really make sense as you're reading them. But it makes it just another part of the story of the brewery. And that's what's awesome when you see that is it makes it more part of the whole ethos of what you're doing with the beer. It's not just what's in the glass. It's not just like here's a fancy label with nothing else on it. This has a story behind it. And all the beers have this really cool, crazy story behind some way tied into the history of the brewery. And this was a big part of it, like having that happen. uh, It was news all over the place when that happened. Uh, it was it was during a time when they were starting up and coming. Yeah, they call it the 2005 St. Yeah. Patrick's Day Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so I mean, it, it was at that growth period time, like they had started really catching their footing. So I mean, that was a, a tough thing. I mean, you, you imagine doing something where you're manufacturing, 20 days shut down, especially beer. Oh my God. Most yeah. of your stuff is cranked out within that 20 day period. Like you could have cranked out a whole other batch of a bunch of stuff you're shut down for 20. That, that is a big shutdown. Um, but, you know, they came back stronger than ever. and have Well, we were shut down mass. for eight days when our neighbor's wall fell on us. Oh, and that, I can't right. imagine, like, you know, <laughs> that, like, that was eight days. I yeah. can't imagine, like, 20 days, yeah. you know? Yeah, and that's a big to-do. I mean, and they've come back stronger. I mean, that's the other thing, too, that, that's changed for our immediate listeners that are listening terrestrial live here. When we had Tony on, Lagunillas wasn't available immediately in our area, and they now are widely available throughout the area. And they have, they're really going to get to that point, I feel, soon, that they're going to be in all 50 states. Like, they're going to be one of those breweries that are just all over the place. And it's awesome. Their their price points are great, too, which is another cool thing about them. I, we haven't really said. Yeah, it's like very, very yeah, reasonable. Extremely reasonable. $5 I mean, a bottle. Yeah, bomber. four or five. Yeah. These, yeah. And these bombers, like, we're going we're gonna to crack open the gnarly wine soon. And, you know, $5 for a beer that big. That's really. You can get a a half of Lagunitas IPA for like 155 bucks, 160 bucks. Yeah. Like that's you know, it's that's, extremely yeah. affordable. And that's what's great about it too. And and like you now the undercover is really nice because it's it's an American strong, but you get some hop, but it's not because that's one thing Lagunitas is known for. Just like they love their hops and do it really well, as most West Coast breweries do. But it has this really strong, solid malt backbone. It just gives it this really wonderful malty sweetness, uh, and that's one thing I, I like. But it's still kept in balance, and but it's, it's nice after you take a sip, your lips almost kind of stick together a little bit because of the sugar, because it's just like a really nice sweet one. But it's not, you know, overly. If you're diabetic, you're not going to go into shock or anything <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But it's just like a really solid one, and then to to just kind of sip on. So now we're gonna I'm gonna crack open the final one now. Yep, this is their gnarly wine. This is the old gnarly wine. Uh, 10.6%. So this is definitely the big boy that we are ending on. As I was saying, this this beer is tied into the, the brown sugar story. And what this was, was when they were brewing the old gnarly wine, they basically had a stuck fermentation and couldn't get this beer to finish out, and they were trying to figure out what to do. And this was uh, pre-Jeremy, I would believe, because I remember this, is, this was in Tony's book, the story of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't figure out what to do, and Tony had the ingenious idea of sending everybody in the brewery out, go to the stores, buy a bunch of brown sugar. And that's what they did. He just thought, all right, I'll just dump a bunch of sugar in. We'll get this thing going and get it to finish out. So they literally bought all the sugar, the brown sugar, at all the stores in the local area, dump that into the beer, and it got it reactivated and got it to finish out the way. And 
they tried it and they loved it and it was just kind of like all right let's just put it out and people loved it and they thought like okay so that was kind of one of those things so it's interesting because you did that just to try to not because they couldn't I could have, just th- picture some old lady at Safeway. <laughs> yeah. I need to make my cookies. <laughs> Why <laughs> is there no sugar? So then her grandson's <laughs> crying behind him. <laughs> and uh, but it's it's interesting because you know doing that, it, it was a beer that was brewed on accident that you then have to now replicate somehow. <laughs> you know after all of those things that happen, you're just like I right, let's just dump all that in, just see what happens. And they got it to work. Now it's like all right, now we got to replicate it. And then it became this, like, really loyally followed, much sought-after beer. But the gnarly wine in and of itself is just a really solid American barley wine. Uh, you know, the barley wine style is one that some people can find too aggressive. It's, it's a bit much. They, they tend to be fairly high in alcohol. Sometimes when you get a real fresh one, they're, you know, most people don't think of it, but an American barley wine fresh is, is really hoppy, like overly hoppy, like more than some di- double IPAs that you're going to find because it is such a big beer. Uh, that's why you see a lot of them, they'll try to age them out a little bit. Like if you get like a Sierra Nevada Bigfoot, uh, you know, that's really hoppy when you get that room fresh. It's good to kind of let that drop out a little bit because it can be a little too aggressive. But this one is nice because right off the gate, it, to me, it almost tastes like it's been aged a little bit. Like it has that really nice balance, but it has this really wonderful sweetness to it. Ed, what are you thinking about this one? I want to see what Ed's opinion. It's, it's a little, little weird. I mean, you take a sip of it. And you don't taste anything, and all of a sudden you get hit with the hops yeah. and the malt, and then it's like you get hit with alcohol. It's like all, all three of them just like hit all at once. I mean, yeah, it, you're you know, not getting a blend on that, Ed. Just no. It just like kind of just sits there and just can I just say explode? It explodes <laughs> in Ed's mouth is what happens with this beer. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that's, 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 <laughs> this could go. This could go a million different ways. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's nice. It, it it does have like, on the back end. It's, I got it nothing. Is, it is like, <laughs> on the back end. It's very sticky sweet, uh, and it's got some toffee and yeah, caramel. Yeah, caramel all the way yeah, on the end. There's definitely yeah. a lot of caramel on this, but it's, it is like a fairly sweet. But you do get the, that for hot. a barley wine. This is a American yeah. barley wine, yeah. right? It's a. Uh, it's really easy to drink. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like it's there's not, some barley wines that like oh, really yeah. gonna pound you in the hood with yeah. you know. But this is very very it, smooth. It's a style that a lot of people experiment. You see a lot of bourbon barrel aged barley wines because those big beers like they tend to do well with that. And can uh, hold up to it. Yeah, but this, this just on on its own is just nice. That's why I said it tastes like it's aged out a little bit because the hops are there, but they're not up front. No. And th- this is a fresher bottle of it. This isn't like an aged out one or anything. Yeah. And it, it's still just right there, but it's really solid. And it's just a really nice, like, this is a good evening mm. beer. This is one you want to sit at the end of the day. Well, it's it's like 1 o'clock for no, me. I'm, it's, uh, <laughs> I got to go I gotta go to, a, like, a one-year-old's birthday party. Oh, man. <laughs> the best be birthday party you've ever been. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Where's the cake? <laughs> you the have a door awesome. in your neck. The cloud is so awesome. <laughs> oh, we're just setting this up for a fabulous day. What a great show, guys. What no, a great show. Great Another interview. good time. Another great batch of beers we got yeah. going on here. Everybody having a What do we got next week? Last. Next week is going to be a really awesome one, too. We have uh, Jack's Abbey, which is another oh, new one yeah. to our area. We're, we're actually going to be talking to Jack himself who's going to be calling in. And uh, we're going to really get into all this. Like, they're a really great lager brewery that, that has a, a wonderful story with what they did. Like, they went about doing lagers kind of to buck the trend of what's been going on in the craft beer industry. And only been around since 2011, too, which is impressive wow. that they have really built Smoke up. Smoke and dagger. Yeah. They have just been killing it with their beers. So that's going to be another great interview. We have a lot of really cool stuff coming up through the summer. It's going to be one hell of a summer. 
Oh, it is. Uh, looking forward to it. Definitely, definitely. And you should stop by and see Backyard Billy avocado. at the, well, yeah, avocado <laughs> is the key word. Do that. Don't don't elbow him in the jimmy. And don't mention, don't you mention you can. Freddy. You can fast, you cackle, you can hear him in, down in Chick Shinny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just drive up here, he's the one, follow the cackle, and then elbow him in the jimmy. Yeah, there All you go. All right, good stuff. And we're glad everybody was here on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour. It was a lot of fun. I'm on my way to the Bronx to retire oh, yeah. a number, man. Have fun. Unbelievable. Maybe next week I'll be giving away tickets during the week, not on the Beer Geeks. For Bernie Williams' performance at the FM Kirby Center. It's the least that I could do. Boys, thank you for making this Peace. another fabulous Beer Geeks Radio Hour. My name's Freddie. They call me fast from time to time. That's fast with an F, not a PH. Consider yourselves <laughs> all dealt with. <laughs>